Drive into left center, and what a play made by the rookie Brian O'Grady. Pitch. Oh, into right field. Brian O'Grady, first big league home run. Fly ball, center field struck well. Marisnik going back at the wall. Gone! Welcome back, Brian O'Grady. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 33 of Breaking Bats, presented to you by Not For Long Media. I'm your host, Brian O'Grady. With me, my co-host, Justin Ayers, J.A. What's going on over there, dude? How you doing? Doing good, man. It's a, it's a lot of stuff going on in baseball right now. It's a lot of, a lot of records being broken, a lot of records on the verge of being broken. We're trying to figure out our playoff bracket seating here for the playoffs uh, and you know we're trying to make it through college football Saturdays and NFL Sundays, so it's a lot. It's a lot going on, but uh, you know we're getting close to that that sweet sweet playoff time and playoff baseball. There's nothing better, so uh, I'm ready, jacked up. We got a lot of fun stuff to talk about today. Yeah, definitely a lot going on. Still waiting on Judge to hit 61. Yeah, we're still on um, Judge watch, but you know I gotta imagine that's pretty tough. A lot of pressure there. Uh, they're cutting, they're cutting in from you know college football games to to put his at bats on, which which is I don't think is a great idea. But you know when that's happening, obviously something special is going on. So guy's probably just dying to hit his, his last last homer there. So, but other than that, a lot going on. Playoff times coming. A lot of excitement. I uh, can't wait to talk about some of it. Yeah, it's it's funny that yeah, even on a baseball podcast with two two seam heads such as ourselves, we're still like, do you really have to cut in on college football to watch Judge strike out? Do you really? People were mad about that on Twitter, dude. They were really <laughs> mad. <laughs> Rightfully so. <laughs> trying to figure out my trying to figure out my bets are all losing. I got to see Aaron Judge strike out. It was just a calamity, dude. So, um, you know. He's still, we're still sitting on 60 right now. And then we get the debates on Twitter about whether or not that's the real, that's the real home run crown about it's the legitimate heir to whatever yeah. the steroid people. So um, it's, it's a, it's a fun place on Twitter right now, but um, that could be a topic for maybe next week right there. That's a, that's a good one, but for this week, legitimate? yeah, that's a, that's a <laughs> long conversation. I feel like though. You can have that. Yeah. Write that down. Yep. But, uh, but who's this Who's this episode brought to us by? So this episode of Breaking Bats is brought to you by our friends at Som Sleep. Are you having trouble getting enough sleep at night? Som Sleep has you covered. The scientifically advanced Som Snack includes ingredients that are naturally found in your body like GABA, magnesium, and melatonin. Sleep is the best form of recovery, and it has helped people everywhere take their game to the next level. It's simple. All you have to do is drink one serving just 30 minutes before bed, and your body will naturally calm itself down. Other sleep supplements leave you feeling groggy in the morning, but not Som Sleep. Wake up feeling refreshed and ready to conquer the day. Go to GetSom.com, click Shop, and enter the code BATS, B-A-T-S, at checkout for 10% off your entire order of Som Sleep. So kind of the theme for today is kind of the underdog, kind of the, the plucky underdog, the you know the the unsung teams this, this season, the under-the-radar moves and the under-the-radar players and teams. Uh, I wanted to give a little love since last week we gave some love to the Houston Astros. I would like to take a minute and just give some love to your AL Central Division champion, Cleveland Guardians. I mean, congrats are in order. They had a seven-game win streak. They clinched the Central as of Monday. They're 86-67. and 67. 
What a ride. What a season it's been for the Cleveland Guardians in their inaugural season with their new name. Um, it's just crazy. I have a couple things I wanted to break down about them, and then I wanted to get your take. Here's, here's what the Guardians don't have. They're not flashy. They had an opening day loss to Kansas City, and Fangraphs projected them 77 wins and a 6.4% chance of winning the AL Central. I mean, you got to think the White Sox are probably the heavy favorites. You know, we I had them go to the World Series this year. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I think a lot of people were kind of falling in line with us there where it was like, you got the White Sox, the Twins just got Correa. I thought the Kansas City Royals wouldn't be as bad as they are. So I think everybody just kind of forgot that Cleveland was even like going to be a thing. They also don't have experience. This is the youngest team in all of baseball. They have an average age of their hitters of 25.9 and the pitcher's average age is 26.3. I think I saw a stat that that's even, that's even the youngest for a triple A team. They're just the youngest it's just the, the baby bombers there in uh, in Cleveland. And they also don't have a big payroll. They have a $67.4 million payroll this year. That's the 28th in baseball. I mean, teams just like Max Scherzer has 43, and then the Guardians have 67. So they don't spend money, but the, here's, what the, here's what the Cleveland Guardians do have. They have one of the best managers in all baseball in Terry Francona, a legitimate superstar in Jose Ramirez, who has 28 homers and 117 ribs, the sixth best team ERA, and the best closer in baseball in Emmanuel Classe. So, like I said, beginning of the year, everybody just kind of, I think, just forgot about the Guardians. I don't think it's that they were, were written off. I just think that most people were like, wait, who? Wait, what? Uh, you know, last year they went 80 and 82. Brian, you know, I think at our prediction show, we didn't really talk too much about Cleveland, as probably most people didn't. But, I mean, you got to like what's going on over there this year, though, right? Yeah, they've had an, uh, it's an amazing season. Congrats to them on, Winning the Central, definitely didn't see that coming at the beginning of the year. The White Sox obviously did not live up to expectations. And one thing that was great, did you see the Guardians? They tweeted the Fresh Prince. The White Sox at the beginning of the year tweeted the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Will Smith, standing <laughs> in an empty room and saying, you yeah, know, I wonder if the rest of the division's even going to show up this year. And then the Guardians tweeted back after they clinched, which was awesome. But <laughs> – you, you said all, all that stuff. They, they, I think people knew about some of their pitchers, you know, Bieber and that some of that crew there. Uh, Class A has been I thrown 101 mile an hour cutters. It's just, it's not really fair. But the hitters, man, they, a bunch of young guys have played really well. A bunch of rookies or people that, players that people don't really know about have played really well. And, We'll touch I definitely have one of those guys in there. Um, but looking at when I was looking at the numbers, man, they have a, like a lot of guys who are playing. Ahmed Rosario is having a good year at shortstop. Stephen Kwan has been arguably the rookie of the year. Probably won't probably won't get it, but um, playing like Gold Glove level defense in in left field and and tons of contact, like you said, high average. Uh, and they have more, more guys. Oscar Gonzalez is, is one of the guys that I'll mention later, but uh, he's playing really well and he's young, man. He, I remember talking about before we start recording, talking about the Dominican winter league, he was with Australia's when I was down there and he was like 18, 19 and remember him showing up. I don't know if he ever even played that year for us, but him being in practice, I'm like this dude, he's big boy. And I'm like, this guy looks like he, he's going to be pretty good. And, here he is now, man. He's he's, ha he's having a really good year. Uh, 
But no, you're right. The the Guardians have have been good for a while. They've been doing it kind of under the radar, and they just win. They kind of they kind of remind me of like the Rays, where it's it's they're just winning games every time you look. They're just they're just winning games. But this team, I think, what makes this Guardians team more unique is definitely the fact that they are so young. Like you said, that uh, that's honestly very very impressive and they, they really only have Jose Ramirez who's a fantastic player other than that you know if household names or, or anything like that I don't I don't think and Bieber but I don't think they have uh especially on the hit side anybody that everyone knows so hats off to them that's awesome what a what a season it's been so far for for those kids mostly do you worry though about the lack of experience? Because I'm looking at the roster right now. I think the oldest player they have is their their reliever Brian Shaw, who's 34, and I'm, he was there back when they went to the World Series in 16. And you know he's got a five and a half ERA this year, so he's not nothing to write home about. But do do you worry about teams in the playoffs like this, or maybe it's a little bit like you know to use a football analogy, like the Bengals last year, like they didn't know what they didn't know, just a really like great group of young talented guys that come together and just peak and get hot at the right time. Like, do do you worry about them not having a guy that can like be a locker room, say like, Hey, this is, this is how you win in the playoffs. Do do you worry about that? Not so much because Francona has been there and done that, I would say. So his message obviously has been working all season. So whatever he's saying and with Ramirez and whatever other guys they do have, I think they're fine. It, I will, this is not nice. I'm not going to pick them in the playoffs uh, because I just the Ash. I think the Astros are just great, and then the Yankees. I would I would probably take the Yankees over them too. So I I don't know how much noise they're going to make in the playoffs. But you said this before we started recording. They do have that kind of recipe that can scare people in the playoffs. They make contact, they play defense, and they have pitching. So, yes, that can definitely be a recipe for, for winning, at, as it has been all season, but winning in the playoffs. But, my like, if head-to-head with the Yankees or the Astros, um, I'm taking those two teams. I'm looking at this postseason bracket right now. The Guardians have the three seed, so that first round they'd be playing the Mariners if the, if the postseason started today. That's a fun series, but that yeah, fun series. Th- this team does give me vibes to like those mid 2010s Royals teams. I just pulled up the 2014 Royals when they you know made it to the World Series and had that fantastic postseason. They had three guys with double digit homers and a lot of contact. And you know, you mentioned that that's because a Coffin Stadium is gigantic and the dimensions are crazy. But you know, they were led that season by a great bullpen with like Greg Holland. They had you know frontline starting pitching all throughout. So why not? That's I remember when the Orioles went to the the 2014 postseason with a team built on home runs, and it was like, oh, it was cool that you know they got past the Tigers pretty easily, but then they got to the Royals, who did the exact opposite and were contact and you know stealing bases and running around and doing everything they didn't do. And it's like, dang, that's you could just tell that the Royals were just gonna plow through everybody. So, uh, yeah, I think when when you ha- we're going up against a team that has all contact, all pitching, all defense, you know and steals bases too. Like they have three, five guys with double digit steals. I mean, this whole team can run. So yeah, I mean, I probably won't pick them in my bracket either, but that's not to say we can't give them some love 
for winning the AL Central, which is something that nobody on earth thought that they were going to do. Um, so yeah, let's let's just you know let's just not forget about Cleveland Guardians this this postseason because who knows we could all be sitting here two weeks from now and have them pull, go on a Royals run and make us all look like idiots. Yeah, they they have a chance for sure. I would I would say that the best years are are ahead of them. You would think with all these young guys and, and how they've performed their basically their first years or you know so early in their careers. So. I still that that series is, is gonna would be a lot of fun. Mariners uh, Guardians is is a lot of fun. So I'd be looking forward to that. Uh, I would love to see them make a run. I hope it happens. Absolutely, yeah. And that would be fun if they matched up with their old foe, the New York Yankees, in that second round too. Like, dang, that would be that would be a fun that would be a fun second round series. So um, shout out the Cleveland Guardians. Congrats to all the success you've had this season. Just a nasty back of the bullpen contact out the ass. So yeah, it's it's been very very fun to watch. So we want to give a little love to them. Um, next up, we have our fudging awesome moment of the week. Fudging awesome moment of the week is brought to you by our sponsor, the Original Fudge Kitchen. You can find them online at Fudge Kitchens with an S They ship sweet treats and fudge all over the country. I could be home pretty soon, and I will definitely be ordering some from them. I can't wait. But as the summer winds down, our Jersey Shore Philly listeners, if you are still down the shore, they have locations in Cape May, North Wildwood, Wildwood, Ocean City, and Stone Harbor. Go in there and check them out. It is phenomenal. That is the original Fudge Kitchen. And if you're listening from anywhere else, they ship all over the country. And you can find them at Fudge Kitchens with an S.com. Our fudging awesome moment of the week this week uh, has to do with Albert Pujols. Friday night in a game versus the Dodgers and Cardinals on a game that was televised on Apple TV plus, which never will not be hilarious thing that people bemoan on Twitter and complain about because a, they don't have Apple TV plus or the broadcast crew is debatable. Um, Albert Pujols hit home run number 699 off of Andrew Heaney. And then a few short innings later, he hit number 700 off of Phil Bickford. Uh, he became, obviously, the fourth player ever to hit 700 home runs. Bonds, Aaron, Babe Ruth. But the real awesome part, and this is the person that I wanted to give a shout-out to, is recurring guest of this podcast, friend of the show. It is MLB Network's own Greg Amsinger. Uh, you can see his baseball card you know, sits on my little ledge here behind me every, every show. Um, on April 13th on MLB Network, Greg Amsinger said, quote, Albert is going to hit his 700th career home run on the road Friday night in Los Angeles in September. And what did Albert Pujols do? He hit a 700th career home run on the road Friday night in Los Angeles in September. So it's it's insane. Uh, Greg is also famous for his prediction of Buster Posey's walk-off back in 2014 that went, I think, kind of viral. Um, so, yes, just this guy is a psychic. I, I would like to take uh, a gambling trip with Greg. Maybe we can go figure out what, what bets to put on because I feel like this guy, he's just – He's like, it's like back to the future when Biff stole like the book with all the bets in it. That's, that's what I feel like Greg would be like if he ever went gambling. Um, so that's our moment, but also a little added little wrinkle to this is, uh, the fan who caught ball number 700. Uh, he, he's not going to give it back. He got it authenticated in the stadium and then he just went home with it. So, uh, pool was like, I don't have a problem with it. If they want to keep it, if they want to give it back, that's great. But at the end of the day, I don't focus on material stuff. That sounds like a man who wants his ball back, but anywho, um, I mean, the Greg prediction, the 700 home runs, 
just what a weekend for for Albert Pujols there. Greg, that is ridiculous. What a I mean, that is just insane. I can't. When I saw that, I could I really couldn't believe it. That is just perfect, Un, unreal. Good for you, Greg. That's that's phenomenal. Uh, Pujols, seven hundred homers. Amazing. We might we might never see that in our lifetime again. Um, what a hitter he's been for, for so long. What a year he's having, man. I'm glad that he did it and the scenario didn't happen where he finished with 699 or something. This then the season was over. Uh, he's been one of my favorite hitters my, my entire life. So really cool to see. Um, our, our, little preview here our guest this week josh fleming told told a good story about uh how pool holes was his hero and getting a picture with him and all the things like that so we hear that later but so cool this the guy who caught it i listen i can't blame that ball's worth a lot of money and i can't blame him for getting out of there acting like he's going to keep it and putting that thing up on auction in, in two weeks uh, you have to want seven. You, there's no way Albert doesn't want seven hundred. He wants that ball. He, he has that. to. That's that's an. Uh, there's four. There's three other people who get to have that ball. You know, seven hundred. That's that's one. You don't need all your homers or whatever, but that's one that you definitely definitely want. So, I don't know. I hope Albert gets it, but I don't blame the guy for possibly getting some like life change of money for him too. Uh especially after <clears throat> everybody was ripping ripping on the kid the college kids who gave judges his sixtieth homer back for like some bats and balls and when the value was I don't even know it was like hundred thousand dollars whatever. So I don't know. But no matter what, man, so cool to see a pool holes just a incredible year back with the Cardinals too. Like what a story it's just been all season. So happy for him, happy for baseball and yeah, Apple TV. That's uh, just, <laughs> I can't believe that. <laughs> Whatever. It was uh, all that matters is that he hit it. So good yep. for him. Good for you, Albert. doesn't matter that probably a lot of people didn't get to see it. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot to unpack there. Obviously, pool holes. Nobody. I think the thing with him this year is that nobody thought he was going to play in 103 games, which is what he's done this year to hit 21 homers. Um, been he's been their offense here lately in St. Louis. So there, this isn't the end of the, the the road for Albert Pujols. They're going to need him to continue to hit in the playoffs if they want to continue to have success this season. Um, so he's he's a big component of what they have cooking offensively. But uh, yeah, it's. I, it's I, yeah. Did you see that the six ninety nine home run was like the guy? There was like a, a dog pile in the bleachers in Dodger Stadium. Uh, the guy who got seven hundred, it was a little cleaner caught, so it wasn't like nobody was on the ground trying to pick it up. I think he got in his mitt, but yeah, that's. I don't. I don't think I'd want any part of that. I don't want to get into a dog pile and have people ripping at my arms and limbs and stuff just to to get a ball out from me. I don't. I'll, I'll pass. <laughs> I agree. It's that's. It's insanity when when that goes. I mean, you saw judges was like that too. It's not a place I'd want to be. But if you come out with seven hundred, man, that's, yeah, that's sixty. That's but yeah, I'm not not fighting people over over that baseball. Put that thing on eBay. 
Uh, any Albert Pujols interactions? Did you ever get on first base with him? Only in spring training. Uh, yeah, with uh, last year when he was still at the Angels, and just talked to him. Like, no, he said, he said, hey, night. Well, in my first, this was all uh, Otani was pitching too, so I let off the game and hit a, a triple down the first baseline, probably partly because Albert was was playing first and. Uh, Defense my, se- <laughs> my second at bat, I smoked the line drive in the right field and I got on first. And, and he, he was like, Hey, man, nice, nice swing. Good swing, you know, whatever. And just talking. But it was, um, I was playing it cool then, but he's one of the few guys where I've been like, Holy shit, that's out pools, you know, like starstruck when I'm out there. I do remember. I think it was like 2018. We went to play at the Angels Stadium. Or no, it might have been. Might have been like my first spring training. And I was like going to the, the major league game to back up and play at the end or whatever. And they were hitting on the field at Angel Stadium. And I was I couldn't like really wasn't really like looking who who was hitting. I'm like, damn, like he was just hitting missile flying drive. I'm like, damn. Did smoking ball and I got closer and I'm like, holy shit, that's Albert Pujols. And I'll just, I'll never forget that, but he's definitely one of the few who make me starstruck when I, when I would see him out there. All right. And last but not least for everybody this week, we have our top five to clean up last week's top five. Brian pulled out the victory in the NFL offense poll. Uh, Brian won 58 to 42. So be sure to head over to Breaking Bats Pod on Instagram every single Friday to vote in our Instagram story poll, which it'll determine our happiness for the next several minutes. So please, please vote every Friday, Breaking Bats Pod on Instagram. Uh, This week's top five, in honor of the under the radar season that the Cleveland Guardians have had, and also some of the under under the radar great players that they've had on their roster this season, we'll be taking a look at the top five most under the radar great seasons this year. Uh, so I will start us off with number five. It's Tyler Anderson of the Los Angeles Dodgers. This is a guy whose story is it's fascinating. He's bounced around a little bit before this year. He signed a one-year $8 million deal, started the year in the Dodgers bullpen. Since then, he's tied for seventh in the league and wins with 15, and he's got a ten, uh, he's 10th in the, uh, in the majors in ERA at 2.52. all-star Tyler Anderson. Number four, Andres Jimenez of the Cleveland Guardians. This is a guy who came to Cleveland in the Lindor trade from the New York Mets. And this year, he's sixth in all of baseball and war. 6.9. Nice. Uh, 11th and on base with 375. 17 homers, a 303 average. Gold glove defense and all-star this season. Shout out Andres Jimenez. Number three, it's going to be guest of this podcast, Nathaniel Lowe. He's eighth in the major leagues this season in hits with 170. So shout out Nathaniel Lowe, a 304 average. All this man does is hit. Number two, very under the radar. It's Kyle Wright of the Atlanta Braves. He is the first 20-game winner in baseball this season. It's also his first full season pitching in the majors. He's 20-5 and five with a 3.18 ERA. Last but not least, my number one pick is Emmanuel Classe of the Cleveland Guardians. He leads the league in saves with 39, a 1.46 ERA, throws hard as hell, and he also leads the league in games pitched. So 72 games, he's durable. You can bet that during the playoffs this season, if it's the eighth inning and they need to get some outs, this guy's coming in. He's going to do a six-out save if, ha- if he has to. So uh, that is my top five. Uh, what did you think? And then we'll get to yours. Yeah, those are some great names right there. There's definitely guys who popped in my head too. Uh, Nate, obviously, 
my favorite in in that group. Why so happy for him? What a season he's he's having. Uh, but they're all really good players and, and, and having a great year. I've I've played against most of those guys. Uh, Kyle Wright played against him a ton in AAA. Good to see him having some some success uh, this year in the major leagues with all, all those wins. Uh, but my top five, we're going to start, and I don't really have them in a particular order, but uh, first guy that came to mind is Padres shortstop, Hassan Kim. Uh, he's having a phenomenal year, obviously filling in for Fernando Tatis Jr., which is uh, big shoes to fill. But Kimmy is hitting 252 with 10 homers, playing gold glove defense at shortstop, and it's good for a 4.9 war right now. So he's really been an unsung hero for that that Padres team uh, filling in there. Uh, Oscar Gonzalez from the Guardians, who I mentioned earlier, is my second one. Uh, he's hitting 289 with 11 homers this year. War's at 1.8, but uh, I don't I, – he hit pretty well in AAA. I think he kind of came out of nowhere a little bit there to, to come up and then produce this season. So good for him. Uh, he's number two. Number three, we're going to Tampa for two pitchers. Jeffrey Springs, man. Uh, I faced him a long time ago. I, he – has made some Tampa Bay Rays adjustments or whatever it is. He's got nine and four with a two five six this year. Good for three point one WAR. Uh, that's incredible. That's a great year. Good for him. Rays do it again. And then staying with the Rays, number four is Jason Adam. Who's been basically been there, one of the back end guys. I guess <clears throat> he was closing. I don't know Pete, him, Pete, whatever. Uh, but. He's got a 147 this year. I believe he was an all-star too. Uh 147. Pretty good story there. Uh good for 2.6 war this year, but really good. Uh and then number five, super under the radar because he plays for the Arizona Diamondbacks. But uh Christian Walker. He's got a five war this year. He's hitting 237, but he's got 36 homers. He's also uh from right around me, I played, went, I played against him in high school. Great dude. But, man, that's a good season right there. I know 237, people might think that's a little low, but he's the – I also, I believe I read before that he, uh, by the numbers, is the best defensive first baseman in the major leagues as well. So, five war for the Arizona Diamondbacks, and, man, good for him. A lot of people, a lot of people probably don't know about that. Orioles legend Christian Walker. People forget that Orioles legend. Yes, yes, that's and a great South list. Carolina legend. Oh dang! Yeah, yeah. He uh, he went there and won two national championships in three years. So good for him. South Carolina's got a pretty good baseball program. I didn't. They, they have a he lot. He was of- like the start of it. That was when they kind of got. I mean, they were they were a good program before that, but that was when they kind of took over for for a while there you know if we get him on the podcast that would be the third south carolina baseball guy will crow uh ryan ripkin and then hopefully at oh, some yeah. point christian walker yeah shout out gamecocks yeah there you go um that's a great list i had an honorable mention it's joey Manessis of the washington nationals uh if you just look at his numbers side by side compared to juan soto's numbers in san diego it's it's very laughable 
Manessis is hitting has uh, a 12 home runs, 29 RBIs, and he's batting 326. And if you look at Juan Soto's time in San Diego this year, Padres fans cover your ears. Five home runs, 15 RBIs, and he's batting 242 in the exact same time frame. So um, we didn't need Soto. We just needed to call Joey Manessis up. I mean, a 30 year old rookie who just hits dingers. Absolutely. So uh, he's he played in the minors for like 12 years before, or he played professional baseball for like 12 years before he got called up. So um, you always love to hear those stories of of guys that just you know stuck with it because I'm sure there's plenty of plenty of opportunities for Joey Manessis to you know stop playing baseball, but he stuck with it and now he's you know killing it for the Washington Nationals. So honorable mention. Yeah, a lot of people San Diego uh, think they're. The people they trade for are, are cursed, you know. So, yeah. Soto, that's that's a that's a crazy stat, but he's gonna come on. They're gonna they're gonna be fine. Can't wait to see them in the playoffs. I almost have Brandon Drury in here, but in San Diego this year he's betting two twenty six. So that kind of yeah. painted his. Yeah, he's an all star too, right? So yeah, for Cincy. Yeah, so. You know, but great list right there. Good for all those guys. Um, Ooh, actually, he was not an all-star this year. Correction. Oh, sorry. Snub. He should have been an all-star. Snub. <laughs> snub. Big yes. snub. All-star sorry. in our minds. Yes. Um, for our interview this week, we had Rays pitcher Josh Fleming on the podcast. Uh, me and Josh – Go back to my time with the time with the Rays. Great dude. Uh, got some good stuff. Numbers aren't as good as he as he would like in the major leagues this year. He's been dominant in AAA, but his story is really cool. He was Division three, basically out of nowhere, um, to turn into a fifth round pick and a major leaguer. So, Josh, a great guy, funny, good stories. Uh, and it's definitely, definitely a good interview to listen to. I know you enjoyed it too. What a delight. Yeah. As, as a D3 guy myself, it was crazy just hearing about, you know, going from being a, a super skinny guy and that nobody like paid any attention to in terms of baseball. And then a few short years later, it's like, oh my God, like I'm, I'm killing it. I, I got people here to watch me. He's getting drafted by the Rays. I think he was, I think he's the highest D3 drafted player ever. Could be wrong. Don't Probably. fact check that. Uh, fifth round. So that's, that's insane. But yeah, what just a delight. Just a delight to talk to. We did an hour, we could have done ten. So uh it was it was very cool. What was the name? What's the name of the mascot? The go- the, uh, the Gorlock. This <laughs> <laughs> cool his college, the mascot is a Gorlock. It's made up. The Webster Spons University in St. Louis, Missouri, the they're the Gorlocks. So yeah, that, that's a good that's story. A, yeah. But um yeah, man, it was awesome to talk to him. Hopefully. He'll be back up there and, and pitching well soon. But uh... Uh, we wanted to give a shout out to friend of the podcast, Actions Over Words. They're an apparel brand with the mission of encouraging people to use their actions instead of their words. Founded in Cape May, New Jersey by Alec Levin, who's a great dude. Uh, Actions Over Word donates $5 of each sale to different charities around the world. So check them out at actionsoverwordsapparel.com and use the code N4L for 10% off your entire order uh, of tees, hats, hoodies, a lot of great stuff. Uh, so definitely check our friends out over at Actions Over Words. We'll send it over to our interview with race pitcher Josh Fleming. And joining us today on Breaking Bats is Tampa Bay Rays pitcher Josh Fleming. 
Josh, we were just talking about it. It's really good to see your face. I haven't seen it in a little bit because typically I'm talking to you through an Xbox head, headset about people on call today. Yep. So it's good to see you, dude. How you doing? How's yep. everything going? Dude, again, uh, first off, thanks for letting me uh, join you. I know I bugged you about it, but uh, everything's going good, man. Uh, couldn't really complain right now. I'm just enjoying enjoying playing and, uh, yeah, just living a good life right now. Yeah, man, it's been uh, – so Josh – I told Josh back in the beginning when this when we, we started the, the podcast that I was going to have him on there for sure. I didn't hold up my end of the bargain for whatever reason nope. there for a little while. So the other day, thankfully, Josh yelled at me via yep. message. Sure did. And, sure did. And uh, asked when he was coming on. And I was like, well, good thing you asked because right now, let's do, <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, I mean, so, I, was, I was hoping you were going to get some of my, like, little hints. Every time you posted you hitting a home run, I would just be like, ah, wall scraper, all this. I'm just like, man, I wonder if he's ever going to ask me to get on. Megan him. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. my God, that's great. Yeah, we've been – I don't know, man. We've made the rounds, and I don't know. But I'm no, glad you're on here it, now. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. Because you too. got a, you have a great story. You're you're a great pitcher. If I've learned firsthand, you got my. I remember vividly you breaking one of my bats for sure. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, sure did. But I I do have a video on my phone that I like to look at every once in a while just to smile of me hitting an absolute nuke off you though. So I do have. You that. did. Hey, I got mine. You got yours. It, it comes full circle, you know. It comes full circle. <laughs> I was I was telling Ja about about that video because it's cracking me up. Not the the homer, but in the <laughs> sitting in the stands watching you pitch is is Dewey, right? Yeah. The pitching coordinator. Mm-hmm. Yep. I hit it, and he goes <laughs> like the face he made. <laughs> he goes like hands on the head it's just hilarious like his reaction is just cracking me up but did did i throw you a cutter is that what i threw you that was a cutter he was was, probably wondering why i just stick to this the two seam sinkers in on you (laughs) and honestly i don't know why i didn't either (laughs) yeah i mean we'll we'll get there that was the uh you know the heat was getting to everybody we've the, the 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 2020 rays alternate site is legendary on this podcast we talked to a lot of guys about the the yes. site there and that was another another one of that but one of the one of the really cool parts about your story is that you went to college division three college and yep. not a lot of guys go from that level to the major league so ja mm-hmm. let's get it started yeah absolutely i was reading all about that because you're right I'm I'm a D three guy myself too. So when I read that, I was like, "Yes, let's go, let's Salisbury, go." Salisbury University, shout out. Okay, let's uh, go. Hey, that they're solid. They are good. Now they are, <laughs> and they they were always yes. good at lacrosse, and then they just recently became good at baseball, which is good. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a fascinating career uh, like path that you took to get to where you are. Uh, but coming out of high school, I, I was reading that were you a little undersized, and that, that was kind of the reason why D three was the only place that kind of believed in you at that time. Yeah. So, I mean, I, so I played for like a pretty big time, like recruiting summer team, my junior year. Um, but I just, I was never, I hadn't grown yet. And I was like probably five, eight, 130 pounds, 140 pounds, like soaking wet. Like I was just this scrawny little kid. Um, 
topped out at maybe like 78, 79 on a good day. Um, so yeah, just like recruiting was not really, um, it wasn't big for me. And, um, you know, I was very fortunate that at one of the showcases that I went to, uh, Webster university, there was a, um, the assistant coach Zach gets, he's not there anymore, but he had reached out to me, um, wanted me to come on for a visit and everything. And, you know, I did my research on them and they were a pretty solid program at the time. So I was like, you know what, this is my only opportunity. I might as well just go have fun and, and enjoy college and play baseball. The fact that that was like, you know, you took the D3 route and then, you know, did that inspire you to be the best athlete, the best D3 athlete you could be? Because it's like, all right, nobody else believed in me. I'm here. I'm just going to kick ass. I mean, kind of. Yeah. Um, at first, honestly, though, like I, I had no, no envisions of, of pro ball even being a thing um, going into my freshman year. Um, kind of like I said, I just wanted to go there, have fun. Um, you know, I really wanted to be a teacher. That was kind of my, uh, my plan was to be a special education teacher and, and coach, um, on the side whenever I graduated. But, uh, yeah, so I came in my first outing. I remember, um, <clears throat> it was the first weekend. It was probably 40 degrees out. We're playing, uh, Emory university. We're in Memphis, Tennessee, though. We were playing a number of teams that weekend and, uh, came out of the bullpen. We had a senior starter that, um, didn't really do well. Um, and, we were down. And so I came in just kind of, I was in my head probably just to clean up innings and, and get through the game. Um, first inning I hit 90 and I, I didn't even realize I was throwing hard. Like, honestly, I, I known like previously in the fall and even in the winter coming up, I was up to like 83, 84, which was huge for me at the time. Um, and then all of a sudden I was throwing 90 miles an hour and I was dumbfounded when I found out the next day, that I hit 90 a number of times. Um, and that was when my coach, uh, Bill Courage, he's the head coach there still. Uh, he kind of sat me down and was like, Hey, like, I don't tell this to anyone. Like you're the first person you can do this after, like you have a chance to play pro ball. Um, but you're going to need to work hard and you need to put on some weight and all this stuff. And so that kind of, that first game kind of kickstarted it for me. As a St. Louis guy, did you like being so close to him? I did actually. Yeah. Um, and maybe I kind of took my freshman year for granted. I went home a lot uh, my freshman year instead of actually doing what I said I was going to do and just enjoy college and, you know, live it up. Um, I, I went home a number of times. Um, so I kind of took it for granted, but, um, I like living close to home. Um, it's, it's just, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I had tons of friends around still. And, uh, obviously my parents going home to a nice home cooked meal instead of, going to the university's little mess hall, whatever they had ready for you. Um, you couldn't beat it. So. Love that. Yeah. I mean, Brian, I mean, you're, you, you decided to stay close to home when you went to college too. So, I mean, that's, you know, a little parallel. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. I absolutely agree with that. I was an hour and 10 minutes from home and that was one of the better decisions I ever made, but I'm just, I was laughing because like Josh isn't a small dude anymore. Not, not so, anymore. Like, the thought, the, the, the thought of him being like, I didn't know that. Like, it's funny to, to, to picture him being like this scrawny little high school kid going to college and, uh, you know, and how I know him now, but, and then picturing you and my first thought, when you said teacher, I thought you meant like high school teacher teaching like history or something and in my head. I'm like, Oh my God, I could not picture that. But you're, <laughs> the path, the path that you, 
described would have been much much cooler than yes. the one I was picturing in my head. So absolutely. D three. Yeah, no shot. Is- no shot. I'm showing up with a tie every day. <laughs> I couldn't do that. <laughs> Mr. Fleming's class sounds like it'd be a good time though. Hey, I I'd make it the most fun. That's for sure. <laughs> um. But D3 athletics, though, it's something that I feel like not a lot of people know a ton about. Um, I, I remember we, we did a, an interview with uh, this guy, Brandon Zilster. He used to play for the Panthers. Uh, and he went to a D3, and he said that when he, on his track and field team, that the college made the students pay for their own, like, uniforms. And it was just, like, this really gritty, like, nobody had a ton of money. Like, did you ever mm-hmm. encounter anything like that at, at your D3? Like, what were the not-so-glamorous parts uh, about D3 college athletics? Yeah, so, I mean – we had basically we were given a practice shirt, shorts, hat, pants, jerseys. We were given those things, but then when it came to other gear, sweatshirts, stuff like that, I mean, we had to buy them ourselves. Um, we had a team store that we had to buy. Um, we had a glove deal with Rawlings, but those were always we had fundraisers every year, so it was like we were raising the money to buy the gloves. We didn't actually just get given them. Um, so. Um, we did a ton of fundraisers. Now they're doing, um, like golf outings, which I wish we would have done back then, but we did trivia nights. We did a thing called the hundred inning game where we split into four teams and we would play a hundred innings of baseball for, I mean, it would last from 12 in the afternoon to 12 at night. Like it's just nonstop playing baseball. Um, and yeah, and that was what we did to raise money. And it was like, give a little form to people and they'd be like, Oh, we'll, we'll, you know, donate a dollar an inning or something. And that was how we were able to make our money to buy our equipment, like bats, gloves, sweatshirt, you name it. That was, that was how we got to, had to get our own stuff. So, yeah. That's incredible. That's mm-hmm. insane. Yep. <laughs> what? <laughs> It was, so I mean, it, it wasn't bad. Like I enjoyed the hundred inning game. Cause I actually got to bat. Like it was off a pitching machine. So it wasn't like pitchers weren't throing the whole time. Oh, okay. It's off a pitcher, off a pitching machine. And so like pitchers got to hit and everything. So that was like, I, I enjoyed the hundred inning game because I actually got to hit and, and I played shortstop third base, you know, you name it. I was playing <laughs> everywhere. That's funny. That's a long time. Good for you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. Ryan, what, what was the D1 baseball experience like compared to what he was talking about? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't pay for, for any, anything. Um, Must've been nice. I mean, I paid, you know, we don't, there's not too many full scholarships in division one baseball though. So I, I, I was paying for school, which I'm sure Josh was too, but uh, oh, yeah. yeah, in terms of the equipment and things like that. Yeah. I can't think of anything off the top of my head that I paid for. And mm-hmm. Since I played multiple multiple positions, they gave me multiple gloves too. So I had that going for me. But yep. I'm just, you know, Josh is uh Josh was more of a grinder in college than I was. I'll get I'll give him that. And Brian, I believe we, it. We put this pic uh video up of we put I found a picture of you at Rutgers. You had this cool camo arm sleeve. So you just you just swagged out the entire time. You had a shooting sleeve on. Yeah, you got everything, man. Uh yeah, that was uh Good old Rutgers. That was that feels like it was a lifetime ago. But they're uh, you know, Big Ten, they're they're big time now, man. They're they're Adidas, huge Adidas team. Now we we had some rough jerseys to start my college career. I will say, if it makes you feel any better, my freshman year, our workout stuff for like the gym 
was the worst pair of shorts from like 1982 you could ever you could ever <laughs> imagine and the shirt was like the uh, it was made out of like wool it was fucking like oh. eight pounds it was just gray sweating like, and that thing had to have been miserable I don't, yeah like i don't <laughs> even know what brand it was it wasn't like you know <laughs> nike or like anything like that it was just like the heaviest dumpiest shirt you could ever had to have been like an old like <laughs> starter <laughs> brand yep <laughs> dude my 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 coach you know rest his soul great man but he wore he wore the same starter jacket from i mean he was in his 70s when he was when i was there so he like i'm not kidding that jacket had to be from 19 probably 1980 something he was there for 30 something years so yeah that's just that was kind of the <laughs> attitude there too so i didn't have it you know i wasn't at the top of the the, the totem pole there either in the yeah one, did, did you have a, a did you better. have a nice like weight room at least we did, we did. yeah yeah our sure, weight room was but- our weight room was uh, probably the size of my hotel room, honestly, and it was shared for the whole university. So it was like we uh, most of the time were lifting in the gym because it was too crowded in there. That was sick. No, we. I mean, they have it better now <laughs> than I did, but yeah, I had it a lot, a lot better than than you did. But I will say, yeah, we, they also uh, they were famous for. I never had to do it, but like it stopped shortly before I got there. Was. Uh, they would practice in the parking lot because we had, they got turf by the time I was there. But mm-hmm. before that, if it rained or whatever, my coach, coach Hill was like fucking parking lot. So they'd be playing full blown yeah. in the parking lot and chasing, you know, gappers in through, uh, through the park. That just lot. never There's ending no fences. Run. It just keeps going. <laughs> They're still going. <laughs> it's a, it's a 1500 foot home run. Yep. Here. <laughs> Everybody would talk about that. So yeah, there's That's some grinding hilarious. going on there too, but That's you, hilarious. I'll, I'll, get, I'll give you that, Josh. I'm, one thing I'm really jealous of is the Webster University mascot, the Gorlock. Can you, <laughs> can you name the, the three animals that comprise the Gorlock? Yeah. So, um, if I'm not mistaken, we got the horns of a buffalo. We got the face of a St. Bernard dog and the body of a cheetah. Yep. So <laughs> three, those, three. those three animals, um, you wouldn't know it by looking at it. That it was those three animals, but yeah, that's, that's what they told us. What was, uh, what was your impression of the Gorlock? Did you, did you enjoy having him as your mascot? Gorlock. Honestly, like, so funny story. I was in high school. Um, and we would play – so Webster's home stadium um, is an independent league uh, stadium, uh, Gateway Grizzlies. Um, and that was Webster's home home field. So we were kind of spoiled in that sense where we had a nice turf field, everything like that. Um, but in high school, um, my high school would play our rival high school at that field every year. And I remember being there. This was my senior year. This – or. This was going into my senior year, I guess my junior, so junior year. I remember seeing this before Webster even recruited me. I remember seeing, you know, Webster University, home of the Gorlocks on, like, in left field. It's on a wall. And I was like, I am never going to a school called the Gor- like, uh, Gorlocks. What is that? Like, there's no way that's real. And, uh, yeah, a year later, I'm, I'm there. So, pretty funny. But um, it's actually not that bad of a look. Like, it's not that bad looking of a mascot. It's it's okay. The color scheme kind of pay, uh, makes it play up, up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it it's sounds like something out of South Park. It's like man bear pig. Yeah, yeah dude. <laughs> I mean, 
seriously, you got the Gorlock, you got Man Bear Pig. It they're both the same. <laughs> they're both the same. I mean, I, I don't have anything better. The Salisbury University Seagulls didn't really it, we didn't really intimidate our, our our opponents when it's like, oh, we got Sammy the Seagull is it's gonna viciously <laughs> steal your French fries. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's not too bad. It's not a it's not that it's better than you're right. It's better than than I thought it would be. But the Gorlock, what a name, Gorlock. Yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. Quite the name. <laughs> nice. To uh to be one of just five active MLB players, like to have played in D three, like how does that make you feel? Um, I mean, it it's kind of an honor. Like it's it's really cool. And you know, I've I've had a lot of questions, you know, ever since just even drafted, not even debuting, but it's like you know, guys kind of a, of a similar background, like, you know, what do I have to do to, to be like you and stuff? It's like, you don't have to be like me, just be you, you know, you, you don't have to go D1 to, to get drafted or to go to the next level and play professional ball. You know, you can go wherever you want, wherever is the best fit for you and, and just be yourself and, and, you know, ball out really. And, and that's kind of how it ended up working for me. Um, that I preach that all the time. It doesn't matter where you go. Like if you're good enough, you will be found. And, you know, it's not all about the title of, Oh, I'm D one. You know, it's, it's about where you're comfortable going and where you're going to play. Cause there's tons of people I know that have gone D one to say they've gone D one, but they just sit there and they don't play, you know? So it's, you just got to go somewhere where you know, you're going to play um, place. That's a good fit for you. What was kind of your story of how the Rays found you? They, they took you fifth round in, tw- in 2017, but like, were they, is that, is D3 scouting something that, that baseball teams do a lot of? So my, my head coach, um, he had a number of contacts, guys that were scouts, just like area scouts for, for different teams. And uh, this was going into my junior year. Um, I mean, I was at the, at that time I was probably 91, 94. Um, and you know, the first, I remember our first winter. Um, so we, we played indoors just cause it was always cold um, in the winter when we had our live innings and stuff like that, bullpens um, and our first live after Christmas break, um, there were like five scouts that were there um, that my coach knew, just knew the area scouts. Um, he was like, Hey, just, just come check them out. Um, and then the next outing, it turned into 10 and then there was 15 and then there was 20. Um, and then once we started playing games, it was, it seemed like there was a scout from, um, every team. Um, so it, I guess just word got out, um, you know, they, they all talked to each other, I'm sure. So, um, it just, it just happened. It happened really fast. Honestly, I remember just seeing the few scouts the first time and I was like, okay, like that's, that's not too bad. Like I wasn't nervous or anything, but then it's like flash forward a month and we're playing in games, um, down in Florida for our spring break trip and it's just the whole bleachers it's all radar guns and scouts and stuff and i'm just like holy cow like it was it was kind of insane is that a far cry from the undersized kid that you know could barely latch onto a school and a couple years later it's like there's 70 radar guns pointed at me yeah it was just nuts man i just i remember getting there and i'm warming up and i'm seeing all these scouts around like huddled around me essentially watching me just warm up and i'm like golly like this is insane like if you would have told me that you know in high school that this was going to be happening in a few years I would have said you're lying you're like you are lying through your teeth I don't believe you um and yeah just it it all happened so fast 
what kind of work did you have to do to get to that point where you know where the scouts were coming to look at you like what what did you have to do when off the field and to get ready to get to that point so um like i mentioned earlier uh freshman year i hit 90 and my coach kind of pulled me aside and said you could do this after my freshman year ended i was still so i, I had grown to six two but I was still 160 pounds. So like I was still scrawny as can be um, with no, no type of muscle, no weight. Like you, you put, you know, 135 pounds on a bar, like to bench it. I probably couldn't even lift it off the, off the thing at the time. Like that's how weak I was. Um, so um, I got together with our, our strength and conditioning coach. Um, he kind of put together a program for me. I changed my, my eating habits. I was, I still kind of am picky, but if, if you think I'm Same. picky now, like back then I was, I wouldn't eat chicken. I wouldn't eat beef. Like I was like that. Um, and so it was, I changed my, my eating habits. My mom helped me. She's a dietitian. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just started eating all those, all the chickens, the meats, um, actually wait, hit the weight room. You, wait, pretty. what did you, what did you eat? You eat chicken. Dude, so I'm telling you, my main source of protein growing up, like, was peanut butter. Like, and that's, so it's mainly because, like, (laughs) when I was young, listen, I ate everything when I was young. Like, I, you you name it, I would put it in my, I would eat it. And um, I got a really bad, like, stomach flu, I guess. This is what I was told. I got a really bad stomach flu when I was probably, like, five or six. And right when I was done, like, I just, I couldn't eat chicken or pork or anything. Like anytime I put it in my mouth, I'd like gag myself because it was like, I guess that reaction of knowing I was eating something, I was going to throw it up when I was sick. Like it just made me not want to eat anything. And so like peanut butter was my source of protein. And yeah, I, how I just lived on peanut butter as a protein is beyond me. But, uh, yeah, I started eating chicken again and going into my sophomore year and uh, put on probably 35 pounds just that summer alone from actually eating and working out and <laughs> like being a normal person <laughs> and not starving essentially. So yeah, that was, and that helped me obviously with endurance and all that stuff. When I put on 30 pounds, I started throwing even harder and actually could throw that hard for six, seven innings. Teach me your ways. I, yeah, hey, I'm telling you like a secret to like the weight gain too. I would have a bowl of cereal every night. And apparently that's like really good Milk. going to sleep. <laughs> it, it, it helps you like it, the, the weight stays or something. I don't know. It's what my mom told me. She said, just you have a bowl of cereal every night. And like, it'll, it'll help with the weight gain. And I was like, all right. And yeah. It's, that's, it's funny because with, J.A. is a big chicken tenders guy, but I feel like I feel like people who are picky eaters like chicken is on that list of like, yes, you know, yeah, no. that's what they eat. Is like chicken. <laughs> so you're like, I didn't eat chicken. I'm like, what, I, what? I didn't. Dude, I wouldn't sniff it. Like, I'm telling you, we'd go out <laughs> to dinner at a restaurant and I would order French fries like and that was my <laughs> dinner. I would order French oh, fries. Yes. Like it, dude, it was bad. <laughs> It was yep, so man. bad. We would have gotten along great. And here you are. Dude, that's what, <laughs> hey, we had a great time, man. Just you and I just not eating anything. Dude, that's right. Like I would, like even like for some reason, like eggs, I just wouldn't eat eggs and they're flavorless. There's nothing to them. It was, I was messed up. I was, 
man, that was tough. So what back to the, the radar gun stuff about seeing all the scouts. I can't imagine. I remember my, my senior Rutgers, uh, university of Hartford came to, to play us and a guy named Sean Newcomb was yeah. uh, pitched for them. Who was the first rounder that year. He just yeah. was uh Braves for a while Cubs. Uh, and my other good buddy who got drafted by the Reds around the round after me um, pitched for them too, as well, Brian Hunter. So there was a bunch. Newcomb was starting that game. And I same thing. There's like 60 scouts just. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm, I'm sitting there <laughs> like crazy. Dude, if I was, if I was warming up, I would like, and they're there, you know, they're not the fence where he's warming up is like, they're hanging over the fence. I would have yeah. killed like, I would have drilled somebody, but you know, yeah. I'd have been so scared it, to let one eat and just, I don't yeah. know how you guys do that. Dude, it was just like, they would just line up on the side and it's like, they're two feet from me. They could poke me and like, they're talking to me while I'm throwing. I'm like, is this normal? Like, no way this is normal. <laughs> and it's like, you see, like, I mean, I see I'm coming set, like say I was out of this stretch or something, I'm coming set. Then all of a sudden I just see 60 guns. Just wham. Like it was, it was kind of intimidating at first. And then you kind of get used to it after a while, but like, it was just nuts. It was, it was just insane. Yeah, and then the last thing about college, I'm, we'll take it kind of to the pro stuff. What do you would you say the putting on weight and just kind of growing was the biggest difference for you in terms of you know the velocity and what helped you be better, or was it other work that you were doing, throwing work or whatever else it was? Um, I would say the weight was a big part of it. Um, I just had 160 pounds, like keeping just 90 miles an hour, throwing it multiple times was tough. And so once, once I got on the weight and everything, like, it just seemed like it was a lot easier. I, I didn't have to try and like really get all of my effort to try and throw 90. Like it just kind of came with it, came with the mechanics and, and just being stronger. So I, I definitely credit the weight to being. I would say probably the biggest part of that. Um, you know, I always, I always had like the pitching mechanics. I, I had gone to pitching lessons since I was like 10 years old, all the way through high school. So it was like, I had the mechanics and everything. Um, but it was just kind of a matter of putting on the weight and using that strength to, uh, to let those mechanics really uh, help me. I, I mean, it definitely makes a difference. It, it makes sense, but we'll fast forward kind of to when we met. So yep. you go through the minors. What were you? Were you in double, double A? Did you even go to triple A the year before that? 2019? Uh, yeah. I was like there for like the last month and a half. Okay. I, I got up there. Yeah. So fast forward, we go to spring training with the Rays, major to the big league camp. Yep. <clears throat> your non-roster, right? Non-roster invitee. Yep. Mm-hmm. Is that, was that your first big league camp? It was. It was. What a first big league camp! Hey, that was. wow! <laughs> but, I was uh, just like, man, this is not how I envisioned this going. Like, <laughs> I couldn't believe what was happening yeah. before our eyes, man. It was nuts. That was crazy times. But so we're we're there. Everything's normal, and then everything was not normal. It was the opposite not. of normal, as everybody yep. knows. So it gets shut down. But we get back to it, and we go to the infamous on the breaking bats pod Rays alternate training site and port charlotte to start the season and Dude, that's a that was a big league team in itself man 
I, I, you can't convince me otherwise. That was a big league team there. It's well documented on here. The guys, we've had some of them on the podcast and, you know, the other guys who were, were there too, who are, yeah, good big leaguers now. But what's like, when you think of the alternate site, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? There? <laughs> Dude, I just think of all the shit talking that was happening. <laughs> Honestly, like it was, I mean, from the very beginning, hitters are talking to us. We're talking to hitters. It's like, we strike one of you out and we're, you know, we're mother effing you across the, <laughs> across the field. Like it was just, I had so much fun at the alt site because of all that. And like, obviously like the staff was great. We had Brady there and, and MJ and those guys, like they made it fun because they, they encouraged it. They wanted that fire. They wanted us to be, you know, going at each other. Um, because that, I mean, that's just, that environment just is it's awesome. You know, there's no better environment than that. And so, um yeah man all that all the talking back like obviously Dylan Cousins you remember Dylan he he loved it like he he just that dude lived for it and so um man what what a time just that that's probably the first thing I think of when when I think of the alt site aside from obviously the just the dudes we had there grinding through those mornings in Port Charlotte to get back to our houses and yep. drop into Verdansk every every see night. What was, see what was happening Dude, the rest. Of the it day. was clockwork. Oh it was God. clockwork, man. The best. Yeah, or you guys would go golfing after. I'm like, you guys are nuts. Dude, we had. I mean, we had a good setup though. Like that. There, that uh, that Riverwoods course was. I mean, it's a hundred and twenty dollar course normally, and because of COVID, they're like, "Yeah, hey, come in. You guys can play for thirty bucks at three o'clock." Like just. And we had 10 guys on the tee box at a time. They didn't care. Like, it was it was a good time. It was such a good time. I do – I'm trying to think. Because, obviously, you know, you throw a, a, a very good sinker. I think I faced you in a live, normal spring training before mm-hmm. COVID. And I think uh, – I don't think it was a sinker. I think you threw me a changeup left on left. Yep. And, I and I about fell over. And I remember yes. talking after, and I was like, dude – you need to like do that because yeah. I'm not thinking that's coming at all if I'm yeah. facing a lefty. And my buddy Seth Varner was a pitcher for the Reds in the minor leagues. Was love Seth. Talked to him the other week. Didn't have like the best pure stuff or like velocity. Could just pitch and you know move it. So I told him that when we were in like high A, dude. And he started. I swear he stuck to it, and it was. I would laugh. He had guys falling over left on left changeoffs, and Dude, and it's crazy just... that like that kind of pitch does that to hitters. You know, right on right, same same thing. And it's like the last yeah. thing hitters expect, which is it's kind of crazy to me. And yeah, I, I've actually been throwing it a lot this year, and it's been it's been pretty effective. It's actually it, well, it is pretty funny because you throw this the good sinker too, so it's like. Mm-hmm. Guys are expecting that similar movement, but the then the velocity change just makes it really hard. But yeah, as a lefty, you're assuming it's going to go away from you if it's yep. not if it's spinning. If it's soft, if not yeah, exactly. So, but then you know, I I remember MJ giving the little speech when they were calling you up. Yeah, yeah. So. I'll, I'll let Justin take this a- after this, but tell me what you remember 
about the speech and, and getting called up there? Yeah. So, uh, well, I remember just a couple of days before that, um, Yanni Chirinos got hurt in a game, got taken out and stuff. And, um, I wasn't really sure, like of, of all the starters that were at the alt site, you had like me, McClanahan, Boz, Joe Ryan, um, and a number of other like relievers and stuff. And I was like, man, you know, if they need a starter, like I'm supposed to start, you know, in a few days, like that's his start day. I might, uh, it, it could be me. I don't know. I didn't think anything of it really. Like I didn't think in depth about it. Um, and, uh, MJ had called me in his office and he was like, Hey, like there's been an injury. We don't know anything yet, but just like, just be ready. It could be you. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Um, and then fast forward to, to the day I did get called up. Um, I remember sitting there and this was like, I forget what hurricane it was, but there was a hurricane that was kind of like on its way. Right. <laughs> I think what I remember, there's a hurricane coming and like uh head clubby down there, Tim, you know, sits us all down. He's like, Hey, like, you know, we have this, maybe it was a tropical storm. I don't know. It's always raining down there. So um, he was like, Hey, just so you know, like, this is coming. If you guys need, if you guys are in Inglewood and you need to come more inland, like we can set up hotels oh, for you yeah. and everything. And, and I was just like, okay, like, yeah, for sure. Like, and then like, I think guys started to kind of sit up and then MJ was like, Oh, I got one more thing, one more thing. And uh, he kind of brought up how kind of my minor league like steps that I took uh, to get there and stuff. And he was like, I remember we had this one kid, little scrawny lefty came in, went to extended spring training, his first spring training for a month, went to low A for two high A for two months, broken double A last year, finished at triple A. Um, and he's like, and on Saturday he's going to start for the big leagues. And I was just like, Holy cow. Like it just all, you know, kind of like, kind of like the scouts. And, and when I started getting noticed at Webster, just, it happened so fast. And then I remember just guys going crazy and jumping and everything. Like it was just nuts. I still get the chills telling that story. Like, it's just, it's crazy. It, you know, it was just, man, man, what a time. I was, I was speechless too. Like, they're like, do you have anything to say? I'm like, what, 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 I don't know. (laughs) It's always, uh, it's always cool to see like the way MJ did it in front of everybody, like to see a guy get called up for the first time, like realize that dream. It's always really cool. Yeah. I have the chills thinking back on it right now. Oh, dude, it was, it was insane. It was man, man. Oh man. With everything leading up to your debut and probably all the nerves and emotions that you're feeling when you first got out of the bump, how were you able to channel all of that first batter, first strikeout? It, honestly, like I, so I got there, I, I remember pulling up to the trop and I'm like, I'm nervous as can be like, I'm in a polo. Like I'm, I feel like I'm dressed to the 10 and my like, guys are kind of looking at me like, why are you dressed up? I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> isn't this like a normal thing? Um, but, uh, the first person to actually come up to me was Kevin Kiermeyer, And obviously probably one of the most, I mean, the most well-known besides Longoria, well, well-known Ray, um, you know, veteran guy. Um, longest tenured Ray in history. First person to come up to me and, you know, he dapped me up, gave me a hug. It was like, hey, hey, man, like been hearing a lot about you. Like just wanted to let you know we got your back out there. Go out there, just do your thing and and don't even like think about the outcomes. And I was like, I just kind of sat down for a minute and I was like, whoa, like, like that's, 
our leader, you know, a leader who I barely talked to in the big league spring training, you know, months before. Um, and he was the first one to meet me and tell me that. And I was just like, man, like that was just, it was one of the coolest things. And that really kickstarted me just kind of chilling and being calm. Like by the time I got out there and I was warming up, like as crazy as it sounds, like it just felt like I was at the alt site warming up for a game against our guys. Um, you know, I was super calm, super chill. And, um, it helped that there were no fans, obviously there was no <laughs> fans in sight with, besides the, the cardboard cutouts and, and whatnot. Um, so that definitely, I would say the COVID kind of helped ease that a little bit, um, with no fans, but, uh, yeah, I just honestly, the minute I took the mound, I just felt relaxed and calm. Like, you know, like I said, like I was at the alt site, just having fun. That's incredible. I also saw that John Curtis picked up his first save that day. What was the yep. post-game celebration in the locker room like? Yeah, so they had uh, they stripped me down to my sliders, got into a uh, laundry crate thing. They wheeled me into the bathroom or into the showers um, just to, like, kind of get me ready for it. They showered me with cold water just to kind of, like, hey, like, you're going to get a lot more stuff coming at you. And, uh Man, I just remember I was wearing a mask because we had to. And I just remember baby powder, ketchup, <laughs> mustard, soda, beer, water, milk. Like I'm inhaling all of those fumes and it was cold as can be. Like, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, that just happened. And it felt like 10 minutes and it was probably like 10 seconds. Um, but yeah, I just got doused and any liquid you could even think of shaving cream and gel was, I think poured on me like mouthwash. It was any, any liquid that was found around the clubhouse was used in the shower. So yeah, I got drenched me and Curtis, me and Curtis both got drenched. The best. Dude, that's normal. Uh, yeah, that is, that's, that's what they do. And I've been a part of a number of those since then. And they are a lot of fun. I try and grab like, I grabbed chocolate milk and like <laughs> orange juice. I think that's kind of my combo. And I, I get there and I'm just, yeah, it, it's, Dude, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. It's great. They, uh, my first hit was, they didn't get a. It was me and a, and a Kino. They didn't get a Kino for his first hit or Homer. So it was me and him. And I don't remember who said it to me, but they were like, right before they were saying, they're like, take a deep breath and hold it. And <laughs> because, you're at the baby powder like yeah you can't but like you said it's so cold that it like yeah. you want to because yes. everything's so cold at one side and i fucked up i was literally like yeah dude. Just, you're like oh dude it's <laughs> miserable and then yeah trying to get everything out of your hair and stuff and oh. i was in the shower for like an hour yeah dude, i think best. i shampooed like five times i probably <laughs> washed my body another 10 like i was every little nook and cranny i was getting in because man you you never know like you could miss something the next day you wake up and you find like you got baby powder in your butt still and you're like what like, where did that come from oh yeah i just got doused in it for 30 seconds <laughs> Oh, the best, love it. That's, that's yeah, your hair is a little, a little bit shorter than it was too. You had some serious hair going on back then too, so it's a lot. Dude, a lot well, to, you uh, should, you should have seen it this year, man. I got it cut like two months ago, and I mean, I'm telling you, it was down to here. Like it was bad. <laughs> I, I don't know what, I don't know what I was thinking. It was, it was tough. 
2020, like what's like your favorite, like, like, you know, as the season got going, favorite on the field memory and favorite off the field memory from that year? Hmm. I mean, on the field, I feel like it's gotta be debut. Like that was one of the coolest things I got to see my parents and my wife. Um, well, fiance at the time, they, they had booked the last minute flight, um, literally the night before, um, flew down. And then like three of my best friends drove from St. Louis, the 16 hours to get there that night through the night, just to watch at a bar across the street. Like, obviously they couldn't go into the game. Um, so seeing them afterwards was, was something special. Um, you know, my mom was crying, obviously my dad was probably in tears a little bit. Uh, my fiance was wife at, at the time, fiance was in, in some tears and, uh, so were my friends. Like it was just, it was really emotional um, and just really, really cool. So that was probably like, I would say the greatest off. Well, I guess that's technically off the, that that's the off the field moment on field debut. And then, man, the world series was, that was something crazy. Like being a rookie and actually getting selected to be on the roster for the world series and get a pitch in the world series was still to this day like I look back at I'm like dang that is like one of the coolest things like ever like I couldn't have even pictured that like even after the debut like if you would have said hey you're gonna pitch in the world series I'd have been like what in the same year like it was that was probably the the coolest on field when so when did you first meet Pete Fairbanks I met him in 2019 um so I knew of him at the time he got traded over um in like July or something and I knew of him. We had the same agent, same agency, same agent from the same area. And I say area because when the first day I met him, first thing he says to me, like, nah, he doesn't even introduce himself. He just goes, oh, you're the kid that thinks he's from St. Louis, huh? And I was like, oh, geez. Because I grew up in Southern Illinois, like 15 minutes from the city. So I'd always just considered St. Louis as home. I'd always said, you know, from St. Louis. And uh, that was the first first meeting I had with him and I was just like man that's how it's gonna be with this guy huh and he still gives me crap too to this day like he'll always always bring it up um but I finally got my Missouri license so I can show him I'll be like yeah that's what's up what's up St. Louis now oh my god um but so that was when I first met him um and then obviously spring training talked to him a good good amount um, and honestly, through him, that's how I got to know a lot of the guys that were already up in the bigs, like Yarborough and, and uh, Bilal and just, a, you know, pretty much everybody I met through Pete because Pete was talking to him and he would have me come sit by him and stuff like that. So, Brian, what, what was your introduction to Pete like? I could just picture Pete saying that to you so perfectly. Oh, you're the yeah. guy that thinks he's from St. Louis. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> that's like, so that's funny. really how Pete. we're going to, that's how we're going to start things. Huh? Yeah. Pete. My introduction to Pete was uh, spring training. I we I was we were in the weight room, and the the Rays have like a cool setup with the weight room. It's like disconnect. Like every other team I've been on, or the two other teams I've been on, every other team, <laughs> two other teams I've been on, it's connected to like the building. But the Rays is, you know, you walk outside and it's like its own kind of building over there. So it's and it was brand new that year too. So it's cool. And I was in there <clears throat> getting after it and I had the aux cord and I put on some, uh, some like early two thousands, like punk emo stuff to lift 
to live to. And I forget what song it was. I can't remember. But all this Pete was in there, like doing his thing too. And he just like started go like loved it. Whatever song it was was like singing it. it was like, like you put this on, and then like that was it. And right, it was over. Me and Pete were boys. Like <laughs> from right there. So that that's the arguably the greatest like genre to listen to when you're in the weight room too. By the way, I agree. That was so. Yeah, that's 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 how me and Pete got tight. We're like, yep, yeah, this is gonna work. You're that's like, hilarious. It's funny. I've bonded with pitchers. I feel like I've bonded with pitchers like faster in my career than I do position player for some reason. I find pitchers. Because we're awesome, man. Pitchers are people too, you know. Pitchers just need to hang out with an athlete. I think it is. So they just want to hang out. Brian, you and I both know I'm a freak athlete. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Sure, Josh. Whatever you say, man. (laughs) What do you think about this incredible run that Pete's been on this year? I mean, it's not surprising, honestly, like the last two years since COVID year, um, we've trained together and stuff. So it's, it's honestly not surprising at all. Um, seeing the stuff he's been able to do and, and whatnot is it's unfortunate that he was hurt for the first half of the season. Um, because then it would really be like, he'd really be a stat like established as one of like the premier closers, I would say, um, in the game of baseball, if he had been healthy the whole year. So, um, yeah, like I said, not surprising. I mean, playing catch with him inside for the last two years, um, I could definitely see why he's as good as he is because he's just – he's nasty. Um, he, it's just – I don't understand how hitters um, can even hit stuff like that. Brian, like, hats off to you, man. Like, I had my one AB last year against Max Freed, and he struck me out, and I was just like, yep, this is hard. So, uh <laughs> Yeah. yeah, crazy. Two things there. I I, I have a double off Pete in a, in a, my live career against him. Never in game, wow. but with the race. Yep, the first pitch hey, fastball counts. Was, was ready. Counts. Was ready for it. So yep. Take suck, that suck to trade, baby. Take that. Yep. To absolutely. And number two to that was Jay. You gotta see. I don't. I don't know how you guys do it. Pitchers playing catch with each other is one of the more amazing things you'll ever see. Because if I was playing catch with them, the balls would just be like hitting me in the chest and like ankle. These dudes are out there throwing like full blown pitches to each other from fifty feet away, like winging it. I would. It looks miserable. I see it every day. I'm like, I don't know why these. Uh, guys dude, it's terrifying. Thing. Try playing catch with Pete inside <laughs> when I already have vision problems. You know, I wear glasses when I pitch, so it's like impossible to see. And he just – he hits me with the, hey, I'm going to try a change up here. And I'm like, oh, gosh, please, no. We're 60 feet. He's throwing 100 miles an hour. I'm like, oh, gosh, please just hit me in the glove. Like, it's terrifying. It really is. The triple digits is insane, but my favorite part about him is whenever he, like, strikes somebody out and does, like, the walk-back stare thing where he's, like, oh, bobbing man. his head. That's, yeah. that's hilarious. <laughs> you, you know he's grooving when he's got that, like, he's got a power walk, chest puff. Like, yep. <laughs> he looks like if you, like, got in his way, he would probably punch you in the face. It didn't matter. Like, it could be his grandma, and he's, like, knocking her out of the way. Like, get out of my face. <laughs> like, seriously. He, he's always got that look in his eye. Like, especially, like you said, when he's vibing right now, like, he, you just don't want to get in his way because <laughs> he will push you over probably. Who do you think is more intimidating on the mound, him or Max Scherzer? <sighs> Wow. Both Mizzou guys. Yeah. Both Mizzou guys. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's got to be Mad Max. He's he's nicknamed that for a reason, right? It's got to be. Even though Pete yeah, – oh, that's close. I got to go with Max, though. Yeah. Max has been doing it for, you know, 12 years, whatever it is. And 
I mean, he's scary. He's scary. The stalk behind the mound. He just would just be walking in a circle. <laughs> Dude, he, this guy's that guy. Different. Yeah, he, he's just built different. I mean, you see the yeah. intensity he has. Like I've seen videos of him in his bullpens, and he's got that same intensity. It's like, man, yeah, he, he, there's no question why he's as great as he is, you know? And Brian faced him, so Brian could probably back that up. <laughs> probably I wasn't did. enjoyable, huh? Uh, it actually went good. I, I hit a nice one hopper at the second baseman. I hit it hard, but uh, nice. yeah, I kept. I was uh, pinch hit, and I was like, "All right, man, first pitch fastball, like fucking going for it, whatever, like let's do it." First, first pitch fastball, and I stared at it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was funny because if I stepped out, and I was like, "Oh fuck!" Like you know, I was right down the middle. Like what, what am I doing? Yeah. And then after. It was actually it was a pretty good at bat, but after, you know, I'm looking at the iPad, that thing started down the middle and ended up, I mean, dotted like knees black away, like it just, yeah. Like, so I was like, oh well, makes more sense. Why my great take, don't swing at it. But yeah, yeah when I stepped out, and literally, I was like, fuck, that was right there. That was the one. <laughs> Yeah, well, it did like pinch hitting rule number one is like if he throws a first pitch fastball down, like you should, you should swing it. at it. You want to swing yeah. at it. So in my head, I'm like, take it, and it's, it's fucking Max Scherzer, and I'm like, oh sh- shit, <laughs> you know, can't be yeah. taking that one. <laughs> Speaking of Max, so like you know, you remember Lamar, right? At the alt site. Oh yeah, he was telling me a story because he trained at Cressy that during that quarantine. Uh, there in like was it Fort Lauderdale, Jupiter area, um, and Scherzer was there, and he said one of the funniest like moments, but like kind of like a whoa moment for him. He was saying how he was facing Scherzer live, um, and he threw him a three-two changeup that he swung and missed, and like Lamar said he was like, throw a fastball, pussy. And and Scherzer goes, you want a fastball? Go to the fucking batting cages. And he just said, "There's like, whoa, like, yeah, like that is just that's one of the greatest stories I've heard about Scherzer. Like, that's so funny." Well, we had Will Crow on, and when he was at the Nationals, I was like, "What's your go-to Max Scherzer story?" He's like, "Rookie spring training. Me and another rookie were sitting on the bench, and, and the guy next to him, uh, Max, was walking in. He says, "Hey, Max, good luck out there." And Max snapped around really quick, says, I don't need fucking luck. And then he just walked away. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I don't think I would ever talk to him again after that. I'd be intimidated. I'd be so scared. (laughs) That's so funny. Oh, that's that's just when I wouldn't talk ever again. I would just be like, all right. Yeah. I'm the quiet guy. (laughs) Tail between my legs. I'm walking away. I'm never never even walking in the direction. I fucking love Max Scherzer. Um. Couple more questions for you. Uh, the 2022 race, as we get close to playoff time, like what makes the 2022 race great? Like what you know, what can you say in favor of them making a, a good run here? Like the last few years, the the bullpen and pitching staff has been um, unbelievable. You know, they they're they're top five in probably every category, if I had to guess. Um, but the pitching staff has been just incredible. Lights out. Um, you know, you got. <clears throat> obviously veteran and Corey Kluber coming in and, and that dude is just, he's a freak, man. Just watching him, how he handles himself. Like 
he is the clue bot. He is, he is a legit robot. Like, and you know, there's no, no question to his greatness, but uh, McClanahan, obviously um, seeing what he's been doing this year has been absolutely crazy. Um, and before he got hurt, and even now, like he, he's going to be top three, top, uh, Cy Young candidate. Um, you know, he was obviously the the front runner to win it um, going into the all-star break. But uh, McClanahan's been unbelievable. Rasmussen's been unbelievable. Jeffrey Springs, I mean, my goodness, everyone probably was like, who's this guy after he started starting games for us? And, I mean, he's got the – I think I saw it the other night. He's got like the fourth lowest ERA uh, in the AL. Um, and that's only going down. Um, and then, obviously, you've had like – like I've started games, Yards has started games, Patino started games, a lot of bullpen days. Um, so honestly, like to me, and maybe it's biased, but like I think it starts with the pitching staff with what they're able to do, limit really good teams to not a lot of runs to let our bats kind of go to work. Um, yeah, it's just, it's been pretty special. Even after losing, you know, we, we traded, you know, Snell before last season um, and got and we were, two games from the world series, people were probably like, what are they doing? And we end up winning a hundred games. Um, you know, there's a method to the madness. And even this year with all the injuries we've had with, with Wander going out, Zanino's down for the year, uh, Kiermaier's down for the year. Um, for them to bring in guys from, from other teams, you know, whether it's through trades, through claiming off of waivers, um, you know, guys just been able to get it done. And, and that's kind of the story I, I think of the Rays this year is we're just getting it done, you know, one game at a time. You know, we're not looking to to the future. Um, you're taking it one day at a time, one game at a time, and just going from there. I love that. Yeah, I'm really excited to watch them this postseason. It's, it's going to be great. Um, I just had a couple quick rapid-fire questions for you to kind of wrap up here. Um, as a St. Louis area guy, like, who were your sports heroes growing up? Albert Pujols was – he was my hero growing up. Um, I, I was very fortunate. I got to meet him last year. We uh, we were out in L.A. Um, and I was actually going to pitch against him the day he got released, which actually sucked. <laughs> um, but I met him the day before, um, which was one of the cooler things I would say in my entire life. Because um, they one of their clubbies was with us last year or two years ago um, and kind of set up a meeting. Um, and so I met him on the field, talked to him for probably 10 minutes got a picture with him and like for that that was good enough for me I was like that's insane I just met my hero like and 30 minutes before game time he sends over a game used bat that's personalized to me has all his accolades on it and a baseball and I was just like oh my gosh like I didn't ask for these like I didn't even want them honestly I didn't think about it at the time um and he sent those over and so that was probably the coolest sports moment I think I've ever had um, meeting Albert Pujols, who was my childhood hero. I love that. Do you have like the, all that stuff displayed in your house somewhere? I do. I do. I have, I have the bat and the ball and like a shadow box, the pictures framed up. Like it's, I got it down in my man cave and it's, <laughs> it's not going anywhere. Like that thing's staying up. That's like front and center, right? When you walk down and that's what you see. And I'm like, I want people to see that because that's <laughs> the coolest thing ever for me. That's awesome. I love that. Um, any superstitions for you? I used to be like, it's crazy that I, I'm not really superstitious anymore. Um, I, I used to be, I used to be like, a okay, I had to put left sock on first, right sock, left cleat, right cleat. And that like, 
it was, it had to be this way. And if I didn't, if I didn't pull my sock up high enough, I was like, Oh, I got to re put it on to make sure I have like the full stretchiness of it. Like it was, I was a weirdo, but man, I, this year, it's been a roller coaster year for me, just in my, just everything. Um, you know, I haven't been throwing well. So it was like, I, I it was either, I was trying something different or like just kind of working on like my mental capacity more than so just thinking about a game so like I've just kind of thrown away all my superstitions and I just I just go out there and play now try and have fun love that as a glasses wearing pitcher did you ever try to model your style after anybody (laughs) um I remember when I got him I got him in high school my friends at the time Joe Kelly was with the Cardinals still and so everyone was calling me Joe Kelly Jr. and all this stuff (laughs) um and so that was actually pretty cool. I was like, I man, I, I want to be like Joe Kelly. Like he was one of my favorite guys at the time. And so I guess when I got him, I was modeling my game after him. I like that. So Tampa Bay right now, like which who's the player that spends the most time in front of the mirror? <laughs> oh man. For for the Latin group, I would say Yandi Diaz. <laughs> that that's that's my my say he, that dude he he sprays himself with all the good smelling stuff i would say yandy for that um yarbs probably won't agree with me but i got yarbs yarbs is always doing his hair like once he gets out of the shower and stuff i'm like dude you're gonna go put on a hat for sit for three three and a half hours like you don't need to do your hair so he's always doing his hair so i'm gonna go with yarbs for that one is there even a small party that misses your long hair because i i know you cut it recently yeah i mean i do a little bit but like looking back on it I, I like look at pictures I'm like man I kind of looked bad like that was a tough look so I'm, I'm glad like I'm glad I got rid of it when I did um, and I'm kind of letting it grow a little bit but it's not going to get much crazier than what it's at now was the fact that you're in Florida and it's hot is that that factor into your decision um not so much actually um I didn't mind the long like it wasn't it didn't like change. Like it didn't make me feel like any hotter than it really was with the long hair. Um, I just got tired of like waking up and looking at my pillow and like I shed. So it's like, I'm seeing hair on my pillow. I'm seeing hair on my clothes. And I'm like, I am tired of this crap. Like, you know, I put a, put a shirt on, I get a face full of hair and I'm like, gosh, dang it. Like, and it's all because of the long hair. So I was like, I need to just stop this. I need to get it all gone. So I can't do that anymore. <laughs> You're sleeping with a hairnet. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like I, I thought I should have just did something like that because it was hair was everywhere. And like my wife's got long hair and obviously she, she leaves some hair everywhere every once in a while, but it's like, I shouldn't be doing that. that that's, <laughs> I shouldn't be doing that. So it was time. It was time to cut it. I dig it. It looks great now, by the way. Thank uh, you. Thank you. Last question for you is what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Man, that's a good question. It's a deep question. Oh, wow. Best piece of advice like ever. Like baseball, yeah, baseball or just life. Yeah. life, man, I would say like, just don't take things for granted. Like it, it I mean, it, it flies by, man. Like life flies by everything does. Like I look back at like thinking about college and that was, I mean, six years ago for me. And that, I feel like that was a lifetime ago, or I feel like that was like just yesterday, but it's been six years. Like I was talking with my wife, she's got her 10 year, high school anniversary coming up and I was like geez it's been 10 years already for that and it's just nuts to think about how quick uh, life kind of goes by so um yeah just don't take anything for granted I would say is probably the best 
best just enjoy life you know live it live it to its fullest um you know one day at a time and and that i guess now that's me kind of giving some advice like just don't don't be looking forward to things in the future just kind of take take your take your life one day at a time and just enjoy it very well said <clears throat> josh it's been an honor thank you so much for coming on here and, and hanging out with us and taking some time absolutely day, man appreciate you guys job. having me on here this was, this it was a good great time. to to catch up, dude, and and talk Absolutely. about all this stuff and and your story, man. Thank you. And before we get out of here, a special thank you to the band Stick Figure for allowing us to use today's intro and outro music.